Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, wherever and whenever you are, and welcome to the final bonus mini-episode before Season 2 of Stories of Your and Yours. My name is Sean Ennis, and today we're going to talk about a lot of things, so let's get this party started. Well, first things first, there's an iTunes review to get to today, so let's start by reading that right now. Astounding Quality and Production by Epic Film Guys Sean's show is absolutely brilliant. His crisp production value, dedication to making his own sound effects at times, and setting the mood for the stories he reads is just amazing. A friend turned me on to the show and I've been hooked ever since. The show is wonderful, but Sean himself even more so. He's warm, friendly, and inviting, and it really feels like I'm sitting beside him in a coffee shop as he reads. Amazing work, my friend. Cheers. Well, many thanks to Nick from the Epic Film Guys podcast for the kind words, and it's funny that this particular review was set up to be read today because I've got some exciting news concerning Nick, which I'll get to shortly. But speaking of reviews, remember to review this here show on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts, and I'll read your review right here on the program, along with any requisite sound effects and music. You can also get in touch with the show on social media, whether that's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at SYYPodcast. You can contact me through any of those methods or through SYYPodcast at gmail.com with requests or with your own original short story. I enjoy talking with everybody, so don't be shy. Speaking of which, big shout out to Liza, Natalia, Kate, and Ken for liking the show on Facebook. Now, before we get to today's mini-episode, we've got some news to cover, so let's get going with that. And I'll just say ahead of time, there are quite a few bullet points here, so stick with me for just a few minutes, and I think you're really going to enjoy the things I'm going to tell you about. If you're a new listener, just know this is more business than we usually have at the top of the show, but it's been a while since you've heard from me, and uh, things are happening. So first up, I want to talk about collaborations. Now, last time we talked, you may remember I told you about a collab I did with Get Grim at Christmas time, where Kayla presented A Christmas Carol. And you can still get a hold of that if you're so inclined. And remember to subscribe to Get Grim, of course. And another show you should already be subscribed to is Mythical. I did a collaboration with the narrator over on Mythical, where I played a character called Uncle Wolf in a story of the same name. That episode dropped a few weeks ago, and it's part of the second season of Mythical, where the narrator is presenting Italian fairy tales. I know we're all short on time here, but this particular episode is just under nine minutes long, so it'll give you a nice taste of what Mythical is all about if you haven't had a chance to check that out yet. In addition to those, the third episode of an audio drama called Continuum Force just dropped last week, and that's a science fiction audio drama about time travelers, and I've got a small part in that episode where I play a character called Senator Decletius. The biggest news about collaborations, though, is concerning our good friend Nick from the Epic Film Guys, and he's also, by the way, got a show called The Restaurant Podcast, which is about food and cooking, which is two of my favorite subjects. So for the past two years, the Epic Film Guys have been doing something called Livestream for the Cure, and this is where they do kind of a modern-day telethon via livestream to raise money for cancer research. This here is the third annual Livestream for the Cure, and this here show is going to be a part of it. There will be more details as that gets closer, but essentially, this is a huge collaboration between a bunch of different shows. I know Two Girls on a Bench are going to be there, uh, Netflix and Swill, Interrupted Tales, The Unwritable Rant, and The Brook Reading Podcast. A bunch of others are going to be uh, participating. The goal is to raise $7,500 for the Cancer Research Institute, which is a great charity. 
88 cents of every dollar goes to cancer research. They don't have a bunch of overhead or executives getting big salaries. So the event runs from May 18th to May 20th, and it'll be a lot of fun for a good cause. Games, movie, discussions, and retrospectives, a bunch of great guests. Go to livestreamforthecure.com for details, and I'll be reminding you of it here as well uh, when May gets closer. So that's about it for this round of collaborations. Now, how about some news on Season 2? Well, there's a couple things to talk about here. First of all is the Season 2 premiere date, which will be March 6th. You may remember that I put up a poll shortly after the end of Season 1 so that listeners could vote on what story would kick off our second season here at Stories of Your and Yours, and The Pit and the Pendulum by Edgar Allan Poe won that poll, so that will be the story you hear on the 6th of March. But wait, there's more. Would you perhaps like to hear that episode early? Well, you've got a chance to do that by heading over to the brand new Stories of Your and Yours Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash syypodcast. And by the way, there's links to all this that I'm talking about here in the show notes. If you sign up to become a patron of the show, you can get access to the first episode of Season 2 early. There are different tiers that you can sign up for, starting as low as $2 a month. And each has different rewards, such as bonus episodes between seasons, early access to every episode, merchandise, and even the chance to be on the show yourself. But right now, during the launch, everyone who signs up, regardless of what tier gets early access to the Season 2 premiere. Once again, that's patreon.com slash syypodcast. Oh, and when I say early access to the Season premiere, I mean it's available right now. So go get it. Whew, well, that was a lot of notes, and we've still got a couple quick stories to get to. So those two stories that we're going to be doing today in this mini-episode are About Barbers by Mark Twain and The Dog and the Bees by Ambrose Bierce. Typically, this is where I would do the background on the authors, but we featured both of these gentlemen on the show before. So, if you missed Mark Twain, head on back to episode 11 of season 1, and if you want to hear about Ambrose Bierce, and trust me, if you didn't hear that episode, you want to hear about Ambrose Bierce, check out episode 5 of season 1. These authors will certainly show up several times over the course of the show, but let's talk about the bite-sized pieces we're getting today. First is about Barbers, which, besides being published in 1871, I couldn't find much info about but I had to feature it on the show because I found it pretty amusing how much is similar between the barbershop experience of 149 years ago and today. If you've ever had the barbershop experience or accompanied someone on a barbershop experience, you will almost certainly hear some familiar notes in this particular story. So the second story that we're going to hear is a very quick one indeed. It's almost a mini-fable from Ambrose Bierce. The Dog and the Bees was first published in 1903 in a volume called Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor. This was a collection compiled by one Thomas L. Masson, and it featured pieces by the likes of Bierce, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Bret Hart, whose name will come up again in a future episode, and Mark Twain. So, that is the background, the collaborations, and the announcements, and this is today's presentation. About Barbers by Mark Twain All things change except barbers, the ways of barbers, and the surroundings of barbers. These never change. What one experiences in a barber's shop the first time he enters one is what he always experiences in barber's shops afterwards until the end of his days. 
I got shaved this morning as usual. A man approached the door from Jones Street as I approached it from Maine, a thing that always happens. I hurried up, but it was of no use. He entered the door one little step ahead of me, and I followed in on his heels and saw him take the only vacant chair, the one presided over by the best barber. It always happens so. I sat down, hoping that I might fall heir to the chair belonging to the better of the remaining two barbers, for he had already begun combing his man's hair while his comrade was not yet quite done rubbing up and oiling his customer's locks. I watched the probabilities with strong interest. When I saw that number two was gaining on number one, my interest grew to solicitude. When number one stopped a moment to make change on a bath ticket for a newcomer and lost ground in the race, my solicitude rose to anxiety. When number one caught up again and both he and his comrade were pulling the towels away and brushing the powder from their customer's cheeks, and it was about an even thing which one would say next first, my very breath stood still with suspense. But when, at the culminating moment, number one stopped to pass a comb a couple times through his customer's eyebrows, I saw that he had lost the race by a single instant, and I rose, indignant, and quitted the shop, to keep from falling into the hands of number two, for I have none of that enviable firmness that enables a man to look calmly into the eyes of a waiting barber and tell him he will wait for his fellow barber's chair. I stayed out fifteen minutes, and then went back, hoping for better luck. Of course, all the chairs were occupied now, and four men sat waiting, silent, unsociable, distraught, and looking bored, as men always do who are waiting their turn in a barber shop. I sat down in one of the iron-armed compartments of an old sofa, and put in the time far, while reading the framed advertisements of all sorts of quack nostrums for dyeing and coloring the hair. Then I read the greasy names on the private bay rum bottles, read the names and noted the numbers on the private shaving cups in the pigeonholes, studied the stained and damaged cheap prints on the walls of battles, early presidents, and voluptuous recumbent sultanas, and the tiresome and everlasting young girl putting her grandfather's spectacles on, execrated in my heart the cheerful canary and the distracting parrot that few barber shops are without. Finally, I searched out the least dilapidated of last year's illustrated papers that littered the foul center table and conned their unjustifiable misinterpretation of old forgotten events. At last, my turn came. A voice said, next, and I surrendered to... Number two, of course. It always happens so. I said meekly that I was in a hurry, in a hurry. and it affected him as strongly as if he had never heard it. He shoved up my head and put a napkin under it. He plowed his fingers into my collar and fixed a towel there. He explored my hair with his claws and suggested that it needed trimming. I said I did not want it trimmed. He explored again and said this was pretty long for the present style. Better have a little taken off. It needed it behind, especially. I said I had had it cut only a week before. He yearned over it reflectively a moment and then asked with a disparaging manner who cut it. I came back at him promptly with a, you did. I had him there. Then he fell to stirring up his lather and regarded himself in the glass, stopping now and then to get close and examine his chin critically or inspect a pimple. Then he lathered one side of my face thoroughly and was about to lather the other when a dogfight attracted his attention, and he ran to the window and stayed and saw it out, losing two shillings on the result in bets with other barbers, a thing which gave me great satisfaction. He finished lathering and then began to rub in the suds with his hand. He now began to sharpen his razor on an old suspender, and he was delayed a good deal on account of a controversy about a cheap masquerade ball he had figured out the night before, in red cambric and bogus ermine as some kind of king. He was so gratified with being chaffed about some damsel whom he had smitten with his charms that he used every means to continue the controversy by pretending to be annoyed at the chaffings of his fellows. 
The matter begot more surveyings of himself in the glass, and he put down his razor and brushed his hair with elaborate care, plastering an inverted arch of it down on his forehead, accomplishing an accurate part behind, and brushing the two wings forward over his ears with nice exactness. In the meantime, the lather was drying on my face and apparently eating into my vitals. Now he began to shave, digging his fingers into my countenance to stretch the skin and bundling and tumbling my head this way and that, as convenience in shaving demanded. As long as he was on the tough sides of my face, I did not suffer, but when he began to rake and rip and tug at my chin, the tears came. Now he made a handle of my nose to assist him shaving the corners of my upper lip, and it was by this bit of circumstantial evidence that I discovered that a part of his duties in the shop was to clean the kerosene lamps. I had often wondered in an indolent way whether the barbers did that or whether it was the boss. About this time I was amusing myself, trying to guess where he would be most likely to cut me this time, but he got ahead of me and sliced me on the end of the chin before I had got my mind made up. He immediately sharpened his razor. He might have done it before. I do not like a close shave and would not let him go over me a second time. I tried to get him to put up his razor, dreading that he would make for the side of my chin, my pet tender spot, a place which a razor cannot touch twice without making trouble, but he said he only wanted to just smooth off one little roughness, and in the same moment he slipped his razor along the forbidden ground, and the dreaded pimple signs of a close shave rose up smarting and answered the call. Now he soaked his towel in bay rum and slapped it all over my face nastily, slapped it over as if a human being ever yet washed his face in that way. Then he dried it by slapping with the dry part of the towel, as if a human being ever dried his face in such a fashion. But a barber seldom rubs you like a Christian. Next he poked bay rum into the cut place with his towel, then choked the wound with powdered starch, then soaked it with bay rum again, and would have gone on soaking and powdering it forevermore, no doubt, if I had not rebelled and begged off. He powdered my whole face now, straightened me up, and began to plow my hair thoughtfully with his hands. Then he suggested a shampoo and said my hair needed it badly, very badly. I observed that I shampooed it myself very thoroughly in the bath yesterday. I had him again. He next recommended some of Smith's hair glorifier and offered to sell me a bottle. I declined. He praised the new perfume Jones's Delight of the Toilet and proposed to sell me some of that. I declined again. He tendered me a toothwash atrocity of his own invention and when I declined offered to trade knives with me. He returned to business after the miscarriage of his last enterprise, sprinkled me all over, legs and all, greased my hair in defiance of my protest against it, rubbed and scrubbed a good deal of it out by the roots, and combed and brushed the rest, parting it behind and plastering the eternal inverted arch of hair down my forehead, and then, while combing my scant eyebrows and defiling them with pomade, strung out an account of the achievements of a six-ounce black-and-tan terrier of his, till I heard the whistles blow for noon and I knew I was five minutes too late for the train. Then he snatched away the towel, brushed it lightly about my face, passed his comb through my eyebrows once more, and gaily sang out, Next! The barber fell down and died of apoplexy two hours later. I am waiting over a day for my revenge. I am going to attend his funeral.
Dog and the Bees by Ambrose Pierce. A dog, being very much annoyed by bees, ran accidentally into an empty barrel lying on the ground, and looking out the bunghole addressed his tormentors thus. Had you been temperate, stinging me only one at a time, you might have got a good deal of fun out of me. As it is, you have driven me into a secure retreat, for I can snap you up as fast as you come in through the bunghole. Learn from this the folly of intemperate zeal. When he had concluded, he awaited a reply. There wasn't any reply, for the bees had never gone near the bunghole. They went in the same way as he did, and made it very warm for him. The lesson of this fable is that one cannot stick to his pure reason while quarreling with bees. Usually this is where I'll give you a uh, moral of the story or a nice little note at the end, but the author took care of that for me today. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus mini-episode of Stories of Your and Yours, and if you did, I'd love it if you spread the word and leave an iTunes review for me to read on the show. Or if you've got a story to submit or have a request for a short story, send that in to syypodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on the aforementioned social media handles. And by the way, writers... I'm still recording Season 2 episodes, so if you've written a story you'd like to hear over these podcast airwaves, I've still got a couple of slots left, so hit me up. For a full list of music and sound effect credits, please visit syypodcast.libsyn.com slash blog. And speaking of a website, by the way, one of the things that I plan on doing with your support through Patreon is building an actual website. This one comes through the podcast host that I use, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit bare bones. I'd like to go ahead and throw one up that's a little more slick, a little more user-friendly. So that's just one of the big plans that I've got coming for the show. So one final note before I leave you today. Remember, Season 2 starts on March 6th. And if you want to get that episode early, you know what to do. Head over to that patreon.com slash syypodcast and sign up to become a patron of the show. You'll have my eternal gratitude plus a bunch of other bonuses. So... Until next time, this has been the final bonus mini episode before season two of Stories of Your and Yours. I've been Sean Ennis. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on March 6th, or sooner if you're a patron. 